I want to summarize what we're talking about in terms of the gospel. We hear that all the time, don't we? The gospel. What does the word gospel mean? Good news. The good news of Jesus the Christ. It's more than just a story. It's more than just fairy tales. It's why I love our growth group because um, all different generations are hearing and seeing the reality. And my grandson gets to watch high school kids who are serious about their faith. And you know who he wants to be like? Those students. And this morning to watch him come out of the cry room, sit back there, and watch our neighbor be baptized because he's seen our neighbor come to Christ. That's the gospel. And my grandson now is like, what's this? What's, I, what's happening in lives? It's the gospel. They're gospelized. <laughs> Different ages, different shapes, different sizes, different stories, all seeing God change them. And it's so fun to watch. We're beginning chapter 5 of John 1, and we're not going to get very far this morning, but I just want to remind us, I, wanna, I want us to see some recurring themes, and this major theme is the gospel. One of the things about John is he tells us why he writes what he writes in his gospel, John chapter 20. And if you're here today, I want you to listen to these words. I had the privilege of baptizing my neighbor this morning. And for 12 years, we've been neighbors. And this is not about me. This is about the gospel. For the first five or seven years, I never told him what I did. Not because I'm embarrassed, but because I didn't want to scare him to death <laughs> and so we were just neighbors and a little at a time we began to talk about spiritual things and then I asked him would you be really willing to read the gospel of John with me and here's why John chapter 20 verse 30 and 31 now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which aren't written in this book but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. Why did John write the gospel? So that we might have life. That we might have life. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, you think you're alive, but you're kind of like those zombie shows, The Walking Dead. You're two-thirds alive, but there's no spiritual life in you. And you don't even understand it until you experience it. So explaining it is hard. But John says, I'm writing these things that you may find life in his name. But in order to find life in his name, what you have to do is believe in him. You have to become convinced that Jesus is who he said he is. And who did he say he is? The Son of God. The Savior. The one who is going to shed his blood on our behalf. The gospel is that you and I are self-absorbed, not God-absorbed. The truth of the Bible is that we need a Savior, and Jesus is God's Savior. The lie that opposes the Bible is this. You can be your own Savior and God, and it'll work out for you. 
The problem with that is both of those cannot be true. Either we can be our own Lord and Savior and Master and run our own life. I was so happy. Lanny. <laughs> this, this is like what happened. Don't sit in front. I spit. When Lanny said, I said, is Jesus your sword, Lord and Savior? And she said, and Master. That's what Lord means, by the way. Master. Jesus, Son of God. Lord and God came to give his life, to shed his blood, because there was no way out of the mess we're in because of our own sin. Save yourself if you think you can. But good luck with that. Here's the funky thing. We think maybe we can be good enough to earn God's favor and get to heaven. We can't even save ourselves from ourselves. Overcome all your bad habits. Okay, if you're married, you know that ain't working so well. We can't save ourselves from our sin. We can't save ourselves from ourselves. And so what the gospel is, is the message of hope that God came to overcome sin, ourselves, and death. And we're enslaved to those three things. Stop sinning. And so you say, well, I don't sin. You ever selfish? <laughs> you ever do something other than what God says? Save yourself from death. Turn back death. Stop it. We had some dear people in our congregation this week who almost lost loved ones, and some who did, very young loved ones. That is an overwhelming weight to bear, except knowing that Jesus overcomes death itself. So John wrote his gospel that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing have life in his name. My neighbor and I spend an afternoon a week reading through the Gospel of John and asking this question, did John prove his point? Reading what John shared, what do you think about who Jesus is? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's true or it ain't. John also gives his reason for writing the book of 1 John. If you haven't turned there yet, turn to 1 John chapter 5. Verse 13, John said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. He wrote the gospel of John that we might believe. He wrote 1 John to those who do believe or claim to believe that they might understand the real deal when they see it. There are all kinds of people who claim to believe in Jesus, but for many of us, we would doubt the claim. Why? Because the, the walk doesn't match the talk. It doesn't add up. What his purpose is, is the assurance of the salvation for those who have put their faith in Christ, knowing that we are in him and he in us and we can count on him in spite of what life brings. 
How many of you are sitting here today exactly where you planned to be when you were 20? And life turned out just the way you wanted it, and it's all hunky-dory every day. The issue isn't that Jesus came to take away the trials. He came to give us hope in the trials and life beyond them. Knowing that we're in him and he in us, that's what people are saying today. That's what you witness. They're saying, I trust him. I'm in. I believe in him. I love him. I'm willing to serve him, whatever that looks like. So how do we really know? The problem is that it's easy to say all kinds of things, but how do we know? How do we know he's alive and well in us? So let's read 1 John 5, 1 to 5, and then I have six minutes to explain it. His words are better than mine anyhow. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments aren't burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I've broken the passage up into the definition of Christianity, the evidence, and the way we get there. All I'm going to do this morning is dip our toes in this. Let me say this. Christianity is not a religion. It was never intended to be a religion. Man has made Christianity into a religion, and we, and we compare Christianity to other religions. Stupid. It's not a religion. It's not a certain church organization or structure. It's a life. It's a life. It's a life that God brings to us when we believe in him. Look at the family terms in here. You believe and you're born again. You believe and you come alive. You believe. And by the way, the word belief believe as a verb and the word faith which is a noun are the same word pistos and pistuo it means if you believe you are exercising faith the title of the message is faithing in other words believing is exercise living ongoing faith i believe therefore i act and live in faith i trust in it And when we have faith in who he is and what he's done, so much faith that we say, I declare my identity in him and I will live in him and trust him with the results, that's faith. And what happens is the life, we come alive. One of John's primary themes in both his letters and his gospel is being born or reborn spiritually. Remember in John 3, Nicodemus, this religious leader, is a teacher. He comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, and Jesus stops him right there. Nicodemus, if you're going to get to heaven, you've got to figure out who I am. That's the gist of this conversation. And he said, no one, comes to the, no one will ever see the kingdom of heaven unless he's born again. And Nicodemus, his religious leader, goes, what are you talking about, Willis? What are you, 
I can't enter back into my mom's womb. And what Jesus says is, you must be born from above. And what I believe the scripture says, and it's very clear, is this. What we believe, the Holy Spirit of God comes into us, and it makes us alive. And what he's telling Nicodemus, if that doesn't happen to you, you'll never recognize me, and I'm standing right in front of you. I'm the solution to your problem. I can bring you life, and only I can. But unless the Holy Spirit of God makes you alive, you're going to be looking at me, and you'll never figure it out. Now, you look at the end of the gospel, it appears that Nicodemus figured it out because the Holy Spirit of God made him alive. How do we decide if a person is humanly alive? They're breathing. I got that answer, both services. That's a good start. They what? They have a pulse. They're breathing. Their heart is beating. They have brain activity, although that's harder to discern in some of us than others. And for some, we have had to face these decisions. And I've been in the hospital room with families who have to say, are they dead or are they alive? Is it the machine or is it my loved one? And when the doctor comes and says, they're gone. Now, I've heard of people turning off the machines and the person is still alive and they recover. But we recognize physical life and physical death. I don't call my father or mother and ask them to go hunting with me anymore. They're dead. They're gone. The same thing is true spiritually. We can claim to have life. We can pretend to have life. But there are signs of spiritual life. And that's the rest of the passage. The evidence is that we love God. We're in love with him. We're in love with Jesus Christ. We don't have to be forced to submit. We can't wait. It's like a husband giving himself to his bride and his bride giving herself to a husband. Is anybody forcing you to marry him? <laughs> Could anybody force you to do much of anything? No, you're not marrying him. They've tried. You're not marrying him because you have to. You're marrying him because you're in love with him. And bro, you better appreciate that. Okay, so the same thing is true. We love God, not because we have to, not because he's making it. When we come alive, we figure out who God is and the life in us responds to the love of God and we love him because we're loved and we love those he loves. It's automatic. We take on his nature and his nature comes out of us. Another evidence of life is love. Another one is obedience and a third one is victory. God gives us victory in tough stuff. Victory over the stuff that we can't get victory in our own lives. Victory over ourselves. Victory over the world around us. I don't know if you know, but the world's a little messed up. The whole world, including our neighborhoods and our families. The only way to have victory over that is knowing that we have life and it supersedes this. And we have victory even in death our own death and the death of those we love. Paul says this in Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. 
For the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Who by faith takes it on. Moves into it. And lets it change them. Christianity is not me trying to be better and asking God to bless it. It's me giving up on me and letting him live in me. And I got to tell you, it's an entirely different life and way to live. And if you don't know it, all I'm asking you to do is consider this gospel. And it starts with this. Why might you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Or why wouldn't you believe it? But you have to settle that issue and don't just do it because somebody else tells you. If you don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is, why don't you? Prove it to yourself. Because if he, who, if he is who he says he is, the moment we take our last breath, we stand before him and say, you are who you said you were. I want to encourage you, settle that issue. There's nothing more important than settling that issue. And what you saw today is not a pastor who gets paid to say this stuff. It's people who know the reality of life in Christ. There's no greater testimony than that. Father, I pray that we will understand what you're sharing with us. The good news of Jesus Christ is that Christ came to die on our behalf so that we might be raised with him to newness of life. Father, there may well be people here who say, that makes no sense to me. The reality is it doesn't make much sense to me either, but it works. You are who you say you are. And in believing in you, I become who you say that I am, as we sang this morning. Father, thank you for the testimonies of these people. Thank you for those who have been through life this week, and it is not fun. May they find you faithful and know life in you. May they overcome the worst this world has to offer because you overcame the worst this world has to offer. In Jesus' name.